Yeah, I'm, the, the thing is, my my April to May right now, it's looking like I'm seeing Taylor Swift. Hot. Saturday, April 22nd. Fever Ray, May 5th in Boston. <laughs> then the next weekend, I'm going to Sick New World. Wait, is like, that the new metal festival? Yes, it is, baby. Oh my god, you're gonna get hate crimed. I can't fucking. I gotta hope so. I really hope so. I hope I'm at Evanescence crying to my immortal, and someone's like, "Who's that faggot crying over there to my immortal?" I mean, I think everyone's <laughs> gonna be crying to my immortal. That song's perfect. Oh my god, I'm gonna see my immortal live. I know, I know. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be fucking incredible. Oh, Amy. Amy, baby. <laughs> when are we gonna get like a Urban Outfitters like blue exclusive vinyl of that Evanescence album? For real, On, well, it's the twenty year anniversary of the first album this year. Okay, yeah, we need something. We need it. I'm just really annoyed Which... at Nelly Furtado that she did not do any sort of reissue for Whoa Nelly, her first album. For real, fucked up. And do you think she's gonna do one for Folklore? If she didn't do the... it for Whoa Nelly, she's not gonna do it for <laughs> Flop War. <laughs> I mean, I love folklore. I think that album's amazing, but it was a flop, so. Yeah, this is for the three gays that love folklore. We pressed five copies. Oh, yeah, I've been on Last Last FM before, and there's, like, one, there's, like, three of us that are, like, in the comments mm-hmm. for folklore, like, very, like, this album's amazing. <laughs> this is the folklore I care about. <laughs> and out came talk. What's your podcast? <laughs> What's your podcast? Cut to black. Um, hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Straight People Movies. It is the podcast where each week we two gays, we explore a movie made for straight people, and we ask, I'm Kurt Bansicle. I'm Dylan Garcia. And, uh, well, we were going to do another movie. One of those three-hour-long bro epics. We won't say what it is because we'll probably mm-hmm. do it next week. But we'll do it soon. <laughs> we saw a movie that everybody is talking about right now. Mm-hmm. The entire internet is ablaze. Everyone is scared out of their minds. For a movie that made maybe $700,000, it is the only movie that Twitter is talking about. It's the only movie Twitter is talking about right now. It, I think based on the interview I saw, it was made by a Zoomer. Mm-hmm. Baby, what else do you th- what else do you skinema think? We watched <laughs> Skinema Rink. <laughs> oh no, she better skinema rink don't. <laughs> she better skinema rink don't. <laughs> That's right, everyone. We decided the last minute we both saw the new film Skinema Rink, and uh, we thought, why not? Let's do it. Let's talk why about not? it. We have a lot of thoughts. Let's- I got a lot of thoughts about this movie. I feel like it's and, a, no matter what you think about this movie, it's impossible to come out with this movie without a lot of thoughts on it. So yeah, if you didn't watch this movie and you were like, if you watched the movie and you were like, that was fine, you need to be evaluated. Yeah. No, it is like truly <laughs> probably the most polarizing movie to come out in recent memory, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like truly oh, yeah. polarizing. Like I'm talking like people are giving it five stars. People are giving it half stars. Okay. Yeah. Like, if you're not... And the thing is, I think this movie, if you're not in this movie within the first maybe 10 minutes, you're not in this movie. It's over. If it didn't get you, it didn't get you. Let's just say it is the Jean Dielman of horror movies. <laughs> Shut the fuck it. Honestly, 2022, 2032 rather, we're going to see the Sound of the Sight poll. Skin and Marink, number one. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, we'll get into our opinions about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if this movie ended up being really influential. No, same. She's yeah. different. She's Have you different. ever listened to the music by the Caretaker? I would. This movie felt so Caretaker. It yeah. Felt so I'll bring it up later. It felt so House of Leaves. Felt, those are the two big things, and I think that's uh, spoiler alert for how I like this movie. I think that's why I love this movie so much is because it right. reminded me like of those things that like 
feel very uh, generational touchstones for a generation I'm not a part of. I mean, it's very like TikToky in the sense of like you know, yeah. like TikTok also loves the caretaker. So yeah, man. Whenever we were in fucking Spain to see to go to Primavera Sound. The caretaker is playing the Saturday of weekend one, and we were there. And I tried so hard to get tickets to go because I wanted to see the caretaker so bad. So I was like, "How the fuck do you do this live?" And he I just gets a bunch of vinyl and so scratches it in pissed. front of you, and then plays it. Really, like it, yes, yeah, it's a bunch of like weird like seventy eight vinyls, and you just like he just plays them, and it's just like, "Hey, here's like swing music from the twenties, but it's played at like thirty percent speed, so you feel like you have Alzheimer's." Right, right. Like that's what it is. That's the thesis. And That's it. <laughs> I would argue that this film, Skin of Marink, also has a little mm-hmm. bit of a thesis. An aesthetic thesis, of course. Aesthetic. It's an yeah. aesthetic thesis. Oh, yeah. This movie is an aesthetic. Well, I can uh, tell that we really, really want to dive into this. So why don't you give us a little it. background, and then we'll jump right into it. Yeah. So uh, this week we watched Skin of Marink. It's a 2023 film by Kyle Edward Ball, and it stars Lucas Paul Dali Rose Trilote, which is a name that I practiced to say, but I don't think I got it right, but whatever. She's six, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Uh, They're probably like four years old. Like, who cares? Uh, Ross Paul and Jamie Hill. Uh, And Skinner Marink, if you haven't seen it, which I'm assuming a lot of you haven't because it's in a small amount of theaters. uh, And for the record, we will be spoiling the shit out of this movie. So just know that. But let's just say it's kind of hard to spoil this movie. It is incredibly (laughs) difficult to spoil this movie, but we will be trying our best to spoil it. Oh, no. Don't talk about the corner. Oh, no. (laughs) Shit's upside down. Fuck. Uh, (laughs) uh, But the plot of this movie is it's an experimental film that follows two young children as they deal with things that go bump in the night and steal their toilets. Yeah. If you had a toilet in your house, baby, it's not safe. Mm-mm. It will get stolen. You're going to have to get a bucket or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can got to put them right next to your Legos, bitch. Uh, and you can, it's currently available in theaters. I saw it at the world's worst AMC. Uh, and then it'll soon be on Shudder, which honestly, I think this is a movie. I know. Like, I saw it, it in theaters. Say it. Me too. I think it'd be better at home. I think this movie is meant to be watched on your fucking phone. For real. Like, <laughs> like AirPods and phone. Like, that would be yeah. the best way to watch this movie. Like, it's, you're watching it and you're like, man, this does look like shit. And it sounds like shit. Like, I, like watch it watch it at home. Like, yeah. it'll be fine at your house. Just turn all the lights off. That's all I ask of you. Just turn yeah, the lights off. Turn off the lights. Um, you got a how did you feel about... Huh? Yeah. <laughs> how did you feel about Skinamarink? I hated it so <laughs> much. It is one of the worst movies <laughs> I've seen in recent memory. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I really didn't like Sick. it at all. But I will say this, just to like smooth it over a little bit, I respect the fuck out of it. Because at the end of the day, you made a college student film that was 100 minutes long, and people are fucking seeing it, and it cost $15,000 to make, and that is fucking cool. Yep. So I I I respect the hustle. I do. It's a movie that if it played at South by Southwest and didn't get leaked, which, like, the thing about this movie is, the thing that makes, we'll talk about it in a second, but uh, it being leaked is, like, the biggest thing that's ever happened to a movie, maybe, ever. If this movie played at a midnight screening at the Alamo Draft House Ritz in the smaller theater, it would never be seen. Oh, yeah. Ever. No, this movie is literally a glitch in the Matrix. Like, this movie's success is a glitch mm-hmm. in the Matrix, for sure. Yes. Absolutely. And I think I think that's why I liked it so much, because I just, like, appreciated it so much that, like, this truly experimental movie like not like experimental in the way that like 100 gex are experimental in that they make pop songs that just sound weird no, this is like avant-garde like, museum shit this is yeah this is truly like shit you would sit down in a museum to watch like it like it is it it's so experimental so rough around the edges so like obviously made on like a home pc yeah. Like No, it's it's the antithesis of everything that's very in right now. I feel like with like young filmmakers, so I respect it because it's like yeah, like you I I saw a tweet where someone was like, you know, stop waiting to make your first feature. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. 
I read, I watched an interview with him. See, that is the thing about this movie. I gave it a one and a half and I actually moved it up to two and it could slowly keep creep up to a two and a half because the more I read about it, the more I like watch interviews with the guy, the more I'm like, you know, like it's just like hard to like hate on this movie, even though I don't think it was actually very good. Um, mm-hmm. But like, hell yeah. Hell fucking yeah. You fucking made a movie yeah. in your childhood home, bitch. That's cool. Yeah. You faced your it's fears. That, and it's a movie that like, it's not one of those movies that's like is cheap, but like, like it scaled, like it looks to scale. It's kind of makes sense. I'm a, let me preface this by also saying I'm a little drunk right now. Um, skin you know whenever drunk. you watch Skin of a Drunk, uh, I've been having a Skin of a Drink or two. Or, you know, <laughs> uh, but you know whenever you watch like a lower budget, like if you go to like a film festival or whatever, and you watch like a lower budget movie, like it looks like about as cheap as it was made for. You know what I mean? Right. Like. This movie like looks cheaper than it was made for. <laughs> like, yeah, you can see. I'm like, what did you spend the fifteen thousand dollars on? All the '90s things that for, are in it. Yeah, like honestly, like the budget was fourteen thousand dollars for salary, and then like maybe put up two hundred dollars in each of the kids' college funds, and then yeah, like, maybe I truly think on I think you're right. I think the fifteen thousand dollars budget went to paying the actors and the crew, and that's it. Like that's it. Like that's it, it has to be. Yeah. No, it, it's really rough around the edges. I will say that I was a little taken aback at first. I knew it was going to be lo-fi. I was not expecting the level of fucking um, noise we were going to see visually on the screen. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. Like, I mean, it was yes. the most static, Mama. My home videos look better than that. <laughs> and the static never moves. And I, I think that's actually kind of something that I appreciated about it. Because like there is this, like, blue, like, filter over it. Like, this, like, blue static Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's static in both meanings of the word, and that it's like static the image and static like the concept, like the the state. It's this static image of static, and I kept seeing stuff in it. Like yeah, I was a little too. high watching it, but like yeah, you you see this like there's like a specific like, this like kind of like blue dot in the center of the movie the whole time, and if you focus on it, like whenever there's these scenes of extreme black, like whenever it's just kind of like a corner shot and it's just like blackness with this blue filter over it, like you start to see faces and images and forms and the thing. And it, it is scary. Like I was scared by it. I was not I think, scared by this movie at all. I was scared. I was, I was very scared. Let, I me, want... let me also preface this by saying I did fall asleep for a little bit. <laughs> oh, I fell asleep too. Jesus fell asleep too. I think that, that was my issue with the movie was that I don't mm. think it delivered on the scares for me personally. Um, mm. And I am like a wishing well kid who was very scared of the dark as a kid, you know, like I mm. went into this movie being like, you know, I've heard it's really experimental. I've heard it's really slow. I heard there's no plot was super down. Like I'm not one of those people that like, like I don't want people to think they're listening to this. And I'm like one of those people that was like, I'm excited. I'm going to go see terrifier too. You know, like, like a movie like that. <laughs> and then I was like, what? This is weird. Like, no, like I love weird quote unquote cinema. I love slow shit. I love avant-garde stuff. Granted, most avant-garde films are 20 to 30 minutes, which is a lot easier to yes. get through than an hour this and a half. Movie is, this movie is 30 minutes too long. Yeah, totally way too long. Um, but I just found that I just couldn't sink into it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what, so a lot of the filmmakers that he references that he was inspired by are like experimental filmmakers like Maya Duren. Uh, which uh, if any of you haven't seen Meshes of the Afternoon, it's an amazing avant-garde short film from the 40s that everyone has to watch. If you like David Lynch, you got to watch this woman's experimental Done. film from the 40s. It's amazing. But one of the big ones was Chantal Ackerman, right? Mm-hmm. And she got a lot of, you know, people are talking about her a lot because she got the sight and sound, number one greatest film of all time for John Dielman, which is famous for being like a three and a half hour long, hour long movie where you're just staring at images for long periods of time and nothing is really happening in them or, or or the movie kind of changes your perspective on what ha- things happening in a movie is, I guess is what I would say. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Skin of a Rink was trying to do a similar thing. So I, I wanted to, I feel like you have to allow yourself to be immersed into it. You have to allow yourself to get into its rhythm. You have to, like you said, stare in the center of the screen and let your mind kind of run wild. And I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if it's because I tried too hard. It's like I had the opposite problem. I almost tried too hard to get into it, and I feel like I couldn't settle into it at all. And it was so yeah. frustrating. I was like, no, I want to like this, but I just, like, couldn't. It just didn't scare me, I think, was the problem. I just, mm. yeah, I, I I used to be scared of the dark as a kid. Now I love darkness. Man, I love sleeping with, like, pitch black. I can't see in front of my, like, a hand right in front of my face, bitch, like. So I don't know. I don't know I th- what was going on. I think it does have one incredibly effective scene, which is the look under the bed scene. 
that scene maybe was really about good. a 15 minute long segment in the middle of the movie that is like I think the closest thing the movie has to like Blair Witch Project ending. That was really good. I was hoping the film would pick up after that for me. It I was doesn't. Like, it doesn't. It kind of goes back to where it was in the first like 20, 30 minutes, which I didn't love. And I didn't love the middle bits at all. I just, I think for me. Well, like, yeah, go ahead. I, I will say this. The, the things that bothered me about the movie are really simple. I don't mind the style. I don't mind its rhythm. I don't mind that slow. I think that making the choice, and it was a bold choice, so I got to give them that. The choice to not ever see the subjects, to never yeah. see, really see the kids, and also not really getting a sense of the space. Like, you never really feel like you have a hold on never. Like, the, the layout of that home. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I could see how why he went for that. I could see how it works for people. But for me, I think it made it not work. Because I, I couldn't get invested in what was going on. Because yeah. I, I don't feel it's like, not like, like... Yeah, you know? It's not like The Shining where it's like there is no floor plan to the thing. And that's kind of like in addition to the the horror of The Shining. Right. Like where it's like, oh, fuck, I can't tell where anything is. In this, it feels like a mistake. Yeah, like in The Shining, what, what Cooper does that's so cool in The Shining is he makes you think you have a hold on the space. And then you keep being proven over and over again that you don't. And that mm-hmm. he's tricking you. Um, yeah. This movie, it's like they're in. They spend a lot of it in the living room, right? Watching this like old '30s cartoon, which is like I, I kind of read it as like this kind of beacon or like oasis, like from the evil that's like lurking in the home. Mm-hmm. Like they're, it's kind of like their li- little safe area that's slowly being kind of like infringed upon. And which then when it cool. starts looping, it's like it's like oh shit, we're it's here. In yeah, and it's scary. Yeah. It's scary, but I feel like I could never get a sense of that space. It's like where's the fucking couch? I feel like the couch kept moving. Which if the couch mm-hmm. is gonna move, like make that obvious to me that the couch moved, because then I'm gonna be like, yeah. oh my god, the couch moved. Or I don't know. It just didn't. I feel like the movie was on purposely oblique to the point where it was like hard for me. Like, I feel like it got into, like, a pretentious level. But I will say mm-hmm. that I do respect that it was pretentious aesthetically and not pretentious yes. plot-wise. Because I feel like that's what most movies do, right? Is they just try to be yeah. convoluted. Well, this was, like, actually convoluted visually. Like, I was like, I don't know yes. what the fuck I'm looking at. Like, half of this movie. I think it's a movie that I, I feel like it's definitely supposed to feel like a nightmare. It's supposed to feel like a dream. Yeah. It's supposed to feel like that logic. But the thing, I think a lot of people, whenever they portray dreams and nightmares on film is that they fail to capture that like film that dreams and nightmares have a logic to them. Yeah. You, your brain tries to create logic out of it. And maybe for a lot of viewers out there, they're, they're one of the things maybe they're enjoying about this movie is they kind of can fill in the blanks, kind of figure out like what's going on. You know, for me, mm-hmm. I, I think that I really did want the movie to be an experience, which I think is what the movie really is trying to be at the end of the day. It's just an experience. And I just couldn't really get into the experience. I will say I watched an interview where apparently most of the movie is supposed to be from the children's point of view. Like mm. a lot of the shots are supposed to be like we're like their eyes looking at something. And I didn't really like catch that. So maybe I if I rewatched it thinking, keeping that in mind that we're supposed to be the kids, you mm. know, then maybe I would have enjoyed it more. But a lot of the movie, I just kept thinking like, why is the camera here? Why are we pointing in this direction for so long? What is this mm-hmm. accomplishing? It's not really that scary. I'm just staring in the corner of a room for like five minutes, you know? And I just, yeah. And I think another thing of this movie that like I enjoyed them, but I do understand like whenever you watch an experimental low budget horror movie, you don't associate jump scares with them. But this movie has a lot of jump scares. And I I really, and they are like, I also don't like the jump scares in this movie. Because they weren't actually scary, they were loud. They're loud. And it's like, it's not even like <laughs> we're in our 30s loud. Like, it's like they are piercingly loud. It was so like, loud. It's, like, it's too loud. I like actually physically was startled every time there was one, not because I was scared, but because it was so loud that it like hurt my ears. And it felt mm-hmm. cheap. I feel like the, for example, an image that was so eerie was when they, you see the Barbie doll on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really nice moment in the film that worked for me. Like, this kind of like, pan shot and it like goes up yes and then it like really spoiled it i think with that jump scare right there because i was like yeah. well but nothing happened the, the barbie doll just fell off of the ceiling and then you yeah. knew that you had to add like a piercing loud noise to make us go oh scary you know it's like mm-hmm. i think it would have been more scary if the thing just fell yeah i think so too you know and 
I think I, I, I keep talking and it's like I, I agree with all of your takes and opinions on it. I do think it's incredibly rough around the edges. But I think why I enjoyed it so much and why I really liked it, it was just I I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. And, like, yeah. it was a movie that was made for $12 at, like, kind of – I think it was – the thing about this movie, I think it should have had a similar run to a movie that we're going to talk about later. Um, but I, I think it expanded too big. Yeah. I think it should have been in maybe 50 theaters. Yeah. I think it I mean, should have been it, in this it, it, small market. This goes back to a criticism that we've talked about quite a few times when we do newer releases, which is that people won't go see Skinamarink unless people say, oh my God, this is the scariest movie of all time. Oh my God, mm-hmm. he's the new David Lynch. Oh my God. Like all these things, right? And then you go mm-hmm. in, which is probably what happened with me. Honestly, this happens a lot with me with new releases. I go in, I'm expecting to be blown away. And then I'm like, oh, that was just, like, an avant-garde movie that, like, any of my peers would have made at UT in 2012. You know? Yes. And I'm just like, okay, like, it was cool. Like, clearly the guy has, like, a cool sense of tone. He's clearly talented. Mm -hmm. He's clearly going against the grain. I respect that. But at the end of the day, like, I think it kind of hurts it in a weird way. It does. 100%. The film, maybe not the filmmaker. I mean, he's probably going to, you know go on to do bigger and better things because of the yeah. success of this movie, which is great. But I think the movie itself, it like kind of tarnishes it. Yeah. All the hype. I like the, the first, the immediate thought I had after was like, man, and I, even during, I was like, man, I really want him to adapt house of leaves. So what is, is house exactly of leaves? How is, it, I is it like how, a book reading house of leaves? It's a, yeah, it's this novel that this guy wrote and it's, it's unfilmable like fully like i feel like when people say like unfilmable novels it's like stuff that takes place a lot like this internally but it's like house of leaves is like fully unfilmable because so much of that book is about the way like text is placed on the page and so like essentially and this is like me like narrowing it down like really far but it's basically about uh this house that has a room in it that is infinitely expandable and they send a team inside of it to go kind of explore the inside of it. And the deeper they get inside of this room, the further they get. And the further they get, the more sh- crazy shit goes. And so, like, you'll have, like, texts of the book, like, pages that will be, like, one word or one letter. And then the next page will be, like, 7,000 letters on top of each other. And it's, like, it plays a lot with, like, the form of text. Right. And so watching, like... When I watched Skinamarink, it reminded me a lot of how I felt reading Skinamar- reading House of Leaves, in that it was like, oh, like this isn't meant to be a book. This is meant to be like just basically like like a performance piece in front of me almost. Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and definitely Skinamarink has that quality to it, right? It mm-hmm. definitely, like we mentioned earlier, falls into that more kind of like avant-garde experimental yeah. like you're meant to be watching this like secretly like i mean it's a new age but like if this movie came out like 30 years ago this is something you would be like seeing it like in an illegal theater at, like one o'clock in the morning yeah. you know it has that quality to it maybe that's what's weird about the movie for me is like a movie like skin and rink wasn't supposed to ever be big it was always meant so. to be like a like an internet oddity or like a cult classic maybe or like i feel like if you watch this with like the youtube frame around it like with like suggested videos on the side page and like comments underneath it it would work so much well like yeah. on a you like physically on a youtube page yeah it feels like the first movie i've seen other than the one that we're going to talk about in a little bit that really feels like it captures the modern it, even though it's set in the 90s and it's got like this kind of like but that's a thing right it's like mark fisher shit that we've brought up before it, it's like it's reflexive of a different time but then it also feels very now um, yeah. Because that's kind of where we're at, right? We're, like, living in this, like, nostalgia landscape. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's where we should bring up, like, the leak of this movie. So, like, why yeah. this movie is so big is that it's it's not like a movie that fucking A24 commissioned and everyone was putting, putting out. This movie played at um, it played at a festival called Fantasia International Film Festival in Montreal. And it was in a time whenever film festivals would have both their in-person... Uh, screening opportunities as well as like a digital online or digital home screening. Uh, like I did like a fantastic fest like that. It was fantastic. Uh, and due to the software, people were able to rip the movie and it through like word of mouth on Reddit and specifically TikTok, which is where I heard of this movie months ago. It, this word of mouth about the movie 
got so big that that Shutter, who bought the rights to the movie, decided to put it out. And this movie feels like if I saw this on Shutter, like without any context, five stars. Yeah, that's the thing is I, I, I I've never been so I gotta say like I almost want to take back my little song earlier because it's like <laughs> I do think that mood the way you watch it who you watch it with like so many factors I think played into how this movie played out for me. Mm-hmm. It's the only movie I've given like a really low rating on Letterbox to that I'd probably watch again because I'm oh, like yeah. curious about I want to watch it at home. Now that I know what it is, I'm like, maybe if I just did your method, which is like, just stare at it, you know, like, don't even like turn your brain off and just stare at this thing. Like, I wonder what kind of experience I would have had with it. Uh, it was, it was there weird were seeing people, it in a theater. I will say it was weird seeing it in a theater. I, I, I agree. I think that's, I think a theater, my audience I, I was like really, my audience was really good during it. Like they were super quiet. Same. Like, Same. It was still weird. I do think that the theater experience of this movie hurts it. I do think it's a movie that is meant to be watched. Wow, at I never home. thought I would ever say that about a movie. Same. Ever. So that's like, cool. I, whenever we were, le- when we were leaving the movie, there were people, we kind of took a, our wild, cause we saw it at the, the AMC in the mall. Cause I'm not going to see a fucking movie at the draft house, especially a horror movie. Um, but our seats, the recliners didn't go down all the way. So it took us a while to get out. Um, so we were walking past and I saw some people outside of the bathroom and they were trying to figure out the plot of the movie. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to like interrupt them and be like, girly pop. There is no plot to this movie. Yeah. The movie has no plot. Yeah. It's just exactly. shit. It's just images. That's another like, part. Don't figure out the plot. That's the, the other part of why I hate that. I don't like it is because mm. it makes me feel Cause I know that most people that dislike this movie are people that are like plot girls. Like, I mm-hmm. know that the plot girls are having a field day with, with Skin mm-hmm. and Marine. It's like, I don't like it because I am familiar with the kinds of movies it's kind of trying to be like. And I, I understand, like, the aesthetic journey it's trying to take you on. It just didn't work for me. Um, yeah. So it's tough because I don't want to be – and that's why I'm having a hard time because it's also like I want to celebrate any horror movie that is doing something different because I mm. love horror. And I love it when horror movies try to do something different. But it's like at yeah. the end of the day – it's like I really want to watch Heck, his um short film. Yes, because same. I feel like if it's similar to Skin and Rink and it's only thirty minutes, I bet I'll love Heck. Yeah, same. so I think that that and maybe I'll love Heck, and then maybe I'll rewatch Skin and Rink and be like, this is slight. I don't know, but yeah, we'll see. Well, I think as we can get into like why straight people love this movie, and I think straight people love overhyping a horror movie. Oh my god, they do. Oh my god, Truly. they do. What is wrong with them? For real, being like this is the scariest movie. Why can't they just be like, wow? Why didn't they just say the most unique horror movie to come out in years? Because that's Mm -hmm. true. Correct. That's true. Like it, because yeah, if you watch the last, the last like three years of horror movies have been these kind of like movies like Malignant or Barbarian or Smile that are kind of like turns on classic '90s horror movies. Skin and Rink does not fit in that. No, no, it's different. Owning, and if you were to say, "Yeah, I have never seen a horror movie like this," yeah, yeah, absolutely you, fine. Like, would, yeah, but this is the scariest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. No, I also have a really big problem with on the poster. They say it's like, I think someone said it's like Paranormal Activity if it was directed by David Lynch, and I completely disagree with that analogy. I disagree. No, this does not look like anything in remotely something like David Lynch would direct. Nope. And I'm really getting fucking sick and tired of any anytime anything is weird or different or unique that they like go ahead and just compare it to Lynch because I think Lynch yeah. has a very specific style, mm-hmm. and it's like a weird take on like Americana. Yes, there's dream logic, but it's a different kind of dream logic than something that Skinnerink is trying to do. Yes, Skinnerink does there's... have way more in common with like a Chantal Ackerman that kind of like slow cinema yes. thing than it does with fucking Lynch. Lynch, stupid. Yeah, like the, Lynch is incredibly indebted and loves like America of the fifties, and this is a movie that's incredibly nineties and modern. Yeah, like it is not like the only thing that is old. The the, the only thing that is related to like the kind of the past is well, that is like older than the nineties. I mean, is the title, right? Like that's the oldest right. movie, which kind of plays the into the cartoons. But the cartoons were cool again. Another thing that I respect about this movie in general, too, is just, like, everything about the movie was, like, there was a reason why he did it budgetary-wise, right? It's, like, mm-hmm. he chose these cartoons because you don't have to pay for them. 
You know? Yeah, public access. I love it's it. like, but he makes it work. And I think that's cool. Well, I mean, he doesn't make it work because honestly, one of my least favorite things about the movie is that it spends too much time making us watch the cartoon. Um, yes. And if I had to look at the TV light hitting those goddamn Legos for one more fucking minute, Dylan, <laughs> I was going to fucking go crazy. Oh my God. It's like, we get it. Cool, man. It's... It looks really eerie. Once Stop. again, this movie, you could cut a full half hour out of this movie and it would be the exact if same. this movie was an hour and 10 minutes better. even it would have been better yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh, it doesn't anyway, no. this doesn't need to be that long but yeah over um, horror movies straight people love to be like this is the new exorcist <laughs> wow. and it's like girl it's smile girl, mama it's smile <laughs> like yeah it was scary whenever she set the shit on fire but like damn i love that i'm the only person on the planet that like stands smile Smile's so good. I love Smile. I Smile's rewatched great. The Ring the other day, and I was like, God damn, this movie fucking rules. Um, but mm-hmm. that's another one where, like, I feel like I'm kind of on, like, a... I think a lot of people like The Ring, but I think that, like, we haven't gotten to the point yet where we, like, respect, like, a 2000s, like, PG-13 horror film or, like, a 2000s mm-hmm. thriller. Like, we're not there yet, but I feel like we're no. getting there. Because look at the Paul Verhoeven re- renaissance we had. Right now, everyone's like, oh, yeah. Showgirls is good, and Basic Instinct is good. It's like... We need that for, like, those kinds of movies. And for me, Smile harkened back to that in such a fun way. And I love Well, if, if horror would stop um, getting out of the 80s, they would just get out of the 80s. Can you just stop get out of the 80s. 80s shit. No more slasher movies. No more pastiches. No more pastiches of the slasher movies. I don't fucking need it anymore. I love I'm that camp it. is coming back, but I definitely don't need slasher camp to come back. No more. None of that shit. I want early 2000s camp to come back i need bad j-horror american remakes to come back yes where is the 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 terrible remake of pulse there you have it there you have it. that's what i'm nostalgic that's what we're looking for that's what we're looking Mm -hmm. for people but yeah overhyping horror movies it's a very big thing you know as much as i love ari and jordan and all like our modern horror masters it really started with that whole thing like with like the Mm -hmm. witch and and now everyone's like elevated horror and then now we have to like it's just so interesting. It's like no one got their flowers in the 2000s. Like no horror movies got flowers in the 2000s at mm-hmm. all. Like even the great ones like The Ring or The Others or Martyrs, you know, it's like. Skeleton Key. Yeah, Skeleton Key. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's like, but now any horror movie comes out and we're like, this is a masterpiece of cinema. Yes. And then it's like, it's just Resurrection starring Rebecca Hall, you know? And it's like, <laughs> but that's what made Resurrection good is it was just a really fun thriller yeah what resurrection let's do a quick 90 <laughs> seconds on resurrection i watched it recently i really liked it rebecca hall that is my maybe my favorite performance of 2022 oh it was, was so rebecca good it it's was so, so good that monologue she gives in the middle is like three minutes like uncut record it's so unreal she's so good in that movie that movie is fucking crazy yeah i love uh, it the resurrection it's so much fun i liked resurrection in the same way i liked smile though where it's toggling a line between being very serious and dealing with like serious issues but then also like having a camp element to it too yes because I the thing with resurrection that. the thing with resurrection is if like you think about the plot of that movie for one millisecond you're like this is the most insane thing i've ever heard in my entire life i love it it's so good. It's on Shutter. Go fucking watch Resurrection. It is not a waste of time. It's incredible. Uh, but yeah, like I think people, straight people, just love overhyping just anything in general. Yeah, um, but specifically just like movies. the like I read the tweet today where someone was like, "Quantum Mania is Yodorovsky's Dune is the new like." Winter Soldier is a 70s paranoid thriller. Like, it's just like, man, these kids really went to one film school class and are like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, like this Marvel movie is Chinatown. You know, it's just like, (laughs) shut the fuck up. (laughs) This Marvel movie is Clute. This Marvel Marvel movie is Cool Hand Luke. (laughs) (laughs) This Marvel movie is Raging Bull. I could keep going. Honestly. I would see Marvel movie Dog Day Afternoon. That'd be sick. I yeah, would okay. love a Marvel movie dog. But here's the thing about Marvel and why they're bad. And sorry, we'll get back to Skin and Rink in a second. <laughs> but like the reason why Marvel movies are like, it's hilarious that people compare them. It's like, what's great about Dog Day Afternoon is it's such a simple movie, but with big ideas, mm-hmm. right? What mm-hmm. 70s movies did that so well. It's like, yeah, that movie takes place over like a day, you know, in yeah. one place. Mm-hmm. 
Marvel couldn't, I couldn't even imagine Marvel doing that. They can't even stay in the no. same room for longer than a minute. No. We're always, they're always going somewhere. They were Mama. in New York. They were in Prague. They were in Tokyo. They're like, in Seoul. They're in Romania. Yeah. Like, girl, stay one girl. place, Mama. Even James Bond only, like, you know, goes to maybe two to three different cities in a Bond movie. Shit. Mm-hmm. Stay, Chill I mean, out. well, that's thinking about that's thinking about Ant Man and the Wasp. He's gonna be in the quantum realm the whole time, which is I guess one location. I'm so over it. I'm so over it. I like so when I read it. that tweet, Quantumania is Yodorovsky's Dune for Marvel, I was literally like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like I literally you started like, putting need rocks. To get, in I need your to get off Twitter. Walking into the yeah, like river. I'm the Virginia Wolf mama. Like <laughs> <laughs> like like give me in a river. Like <laughs> <laughs> I need a river stat. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of Marvel, um, this movie has a lot of kids, spe- specifically spooky kids, and straight people love spooky kids. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think that, like, the difference between a straight boy and a gay boy is, like, a gay boy did, did Skinnerink happen to us. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, Skinnerink like actually happened to me, and maybe that's why I'm not like, that... yeah. It's that famous letterbox review of Joker where it's like, this happened to my buddy Todd. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that's going to bring gay, like, I, that happened to me. And maybe, like, I'm, like, combating the movie because it's, like, trauma. But it's, like, yeah, like, the doors and windows never left your house and your parents were gone. Like, that's just being gay, like, <laughs> as a child, you know? So I feel like straight people like it because they're like, oh, my God, this is so scary and sad. I'm like, that's just called being a child to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's oh, someone what, didn't tell uh, you yeah, to stick a, a knife in your eye eel. when you were four? Mm-hmm. Mama. <laughs> Barbara, mm-hmm. did, you, did you also fall down the stairs as you were sleepwalking? Like, girl. You weren't terrorized by the, the fan in your bedroom when you were staying with your grandma? You weren't terrorized? Mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, whenever you whenever you can't sleep and you turn on the TV in the living room and it's all the scary 30s cartoons? Yeah. Instead of the cool 90s cartoons? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nightmare shit. When I had to watch that fucking infomercial about Shirley Temple and animal crackers in her soup, bitch. Yeah. Nightmare shit. Yeah, that's why nightmare. I never liked animal crackers. Mm-mm. Especially so, in my suit, bitch. Because that's my theory. Every single gay boy I know was like terrified as a child, like more so than I think a straight boy is. Like I think mm-hmm. that there's like a dark side to being gay. Like I mean, it's God punishing us, of course, but it's also <laughs> just like I think we're just more susceptible to like that kind of like dark energy. And mm-hmm. yeah, Skin and Marine, You know, I, I the movie is directed by a gay man, basing it on basing it on the fact scent, basing it on the fact scent. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, girl, he got skin him a rinked hard. <laughs> it felt right. It felt right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, spooky kids. It's like, yeah, I don't have time for spooky kids because you know what? I was a spooky kid. Mm-hmm. Give me something new. Give me something fresh. It's just straight people wanting to be gay people again. Yeah. God. Just, Y'all want to be a spooky child. They want to like, be gay be without having to suck a dick, but they want everything mm-hmm. else that comes with it. They want the baggage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tea. Uh, I think also creepypasta is inherently straight. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to talk about a movie later on that deals a lot with creepypasta. And I think like in the recent years, like a lot of like queer and like specifically trans people on the internet, like had taken that like masculine energy of things that exist only on the internet, but like creepypasta, like the, the scary stories of the internet straight. It's all straight. Yeah, I mean, telling a story is straight. Living the story, gay. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it's like hard when you're a creepy pasta girl and you're gay because it's like maybe you found you think you found your tribe, but then you realize that these people just want to see bad things happen to you. Mm-hmm. They want Slenderman to take your ass. I, that's the only mm-hmm. creepy pasta <laughs> thing I know about. <laughs> Did you ever watch the Slenderman movie? No, but I watched the documentary about the met or the attempted murder. Ooh, how was that? I mean, I'm like kind of obsessed with it. Like I'm obsessed with that story. <laughs> like it's great. I just think it's like crazy. Like that is so hardcore that those girls like stabbed that girl. Like I was like, wow, that's like so hardcore. Like it just like it's blows so- my mind how hardcore it is. Like literally one of them was like, I stabbed her 60 times and she didn't die. I'm like, girl, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, girl, after about after about like 29 out of been like, damn. But I'm one of those girls. You're that, resilient. I am one of those girls that believes that like media doesn't actually affect 
people doing fucked up things. I think that they're a vessel for people that want to do fucked up things to come up with ideas mm-hmm. to do fucked up things. Like, mm-hmm. I truly believe that. I think that some people, you know, I don't even believe that you're born that way. I like, I think it's environmental and a couple of the different factors, but it's like, mama, 300 years ago, like some crazy person, they were going to be like, mm, I'm going to be Jack the Ripper now. That was like a hundred years ago. I don't know, girl. I don't yeah. know history. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then nowadays it's yeah. like, oh, I watched a creepypasta thing. I'm going to stab a girl. You know, it's like, it's the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? I think. It's like gladiators. It's like, you know? Exactly. Wanting to kill people for fun, for sport. I never really, like, I was kind of, like, into creepypastas and stuff when I was, like, more of a 4chan girly in high school, which was, like, 400 years ago, like, in, like, the early 2000s. Uh, but I think the one, like, kind of creepypasta that I really enjoyed and that I highly suggest people go seek out is Pets Cop. It's on fuck? YouTube. It's uh, Pets Cop. Pets. P-E-T-S-C-O-P. Cop. Yeah. Pets Cop. And it's, like, it's positioned as this, like, lost PlayStation game. Uh, but the more you play it, the more, like, fucked up shit gets and it's like i i i think it's fucking sick as hell and it's like exactly the same kind of world that skin and rink would live in of like a thing that exists only on youtube uh so that's just it's not a gay suggestion because pets cop is very straight but like if you want another kind of creepy pasta that i think is really effective that like wouldn't work in a theater go watch pets cop it's so funny because uh, we're think, like it's, the it's, same age but i just totally like missed all of that it's a do you remember josh from fresa's where you there with Josh, I think he might have left before you. I don't know. He was like he was he was like me. He was like Andrew before Andrew. Okay, yeah, sorta, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He introduced me to Pets Cop, and uh, yeah, he was a similar. He was kind of like constantly on, on the internet and stuff like that, and told me about it. And I think go just go watch Pets Cop. It's seventeen parts, I think, but they're really short. Okay. Like three minutes each. Uh, I suggest that, and like that's the only creepy pasta that I really enjoy. I think my cup. my version of creepy pasta as a teenager was just doing a lot of robo tripping. Yeah, because <laughs> I feel like the way Skin and Rink made me feel was similar to when I like took like a lot of triple C's. <laughs> Do you, are you familiar with the Hat Man? No, what's that? <laughs> it's the, it's this joke that's like it's this like meme. That's like, uh, if you take, it's the, the first line of the, it's like a Tumblr post. And it's like between two people. And the first line is like, I just took 15 Benadryls. I'm going to meet the hat man tonight. Stop. I next hate one, that. It's like, who, who the fuck is the hat man? And the follow response is, oh, so this isn't a safe space anymore. Uh, but, but yeah, if you take 15 Benadryl, you meet the hat man. I mean, I've taken Benadryl before while being drunk. Um, because I was having like really bad allergies and I was like, this will be fun. Um, and I will say that I think I met uh, someone similar to the hat man during <laughs> you met the hat that man experience. <laughs> like, like I'm talking, you know, like if, if skin of a rink was really good at making you see faces in the dark mama, every time I closed my eyes, when I was on Benadryl drunk, <laughs> I was seeing demons faces. <laughs> it was not I love fun. Drugs. <laughs> it was not fun, but I'm also one of those like weird girls. That's very like, hi, like I'm very like, hi. Yes, all my dark, <laughs> twisted thoughts. What's up? Like, I'm I'm a fucked up person. Uh, there's something yeah. wrong with me, for sure. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything gay about this movie? I think there's two specific gay things. The telephone toy, bitch. So, wait. I have a question about the telephone toy. Is that, yes. who, he called the, is that who he called the cops on? Or did I he guess. call from the regular phone? I was so confused. That was another spacing issue I was having. I bet I bet he knows how to call the cops, like because like he saw. But was he actually talking to a cop? You know what I mean? Or was he like, or was the know. monster? Or was he talking to the, the monster? Yeah. Mm, he might have been. Oh, good couple. Because I was like, because like right after that scene, they show that fucking phone, that fucking Fisher Price phone, and I was like, yeah. Oh, did he call Ooh. the cops on that? Because that's scary. Oh, you right. He might have. Oh, yeah. I think honestly, yeah. Oh, but that that fucking phone though. I know. Scary. Demonizing scary. cute little things with faces on it. Very gay. Very gay. <laughs> Although, like, did you watch this week's episode of Drag Race? Of course. Yeah. Whenever Sugar and or Spice, I cannot tell the difference between the two of them, had the fucking robot dog on the stage. Mm, that over. was major. I was like, I was like, damn, I love them. The way Sugar and Spice are actually probably the best drag queens on that show. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Honestly, like all of their like, looks have been is, amazing. The season is so bad. This is 
already the worst season of Drag Race. Oh, yeah. I love had. that they were trying to really sell it to us as like, oh, it's going to be one of the best seasons of Recent Memories because the girls fight and this and that. And I'm no, like, terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it was already hard enough when there was Instagram queens and now we've like moved mm-hmm. on to TikTok queens. And I'm like, it's I, bad. girl, like, I can't do this anymore. I know, but I love Sugar and Spice. I, I love what them. it is about them. But the, the irony is the most TikToky of them all. I'm like, yes, queen. I think they're great. I think they're fantastic. Yeah. I love them. But, and whenever she had that little dog, oh my God. But yeah, the telephone toy, gay. Little toys with faces, gay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I put the sound effect, but Ugh. I didn't know how to, like, I was drunk when I was writing this. I don't know how to, like, specify, but it's, like, the sound effect that happened whenever it would be, like, ooh, there's a second door and the door disappears. Yeah, it was, like, a refrigerator hum sound or something. Like a, That's David Lynch to me. See, I didn't like that effect at all. That sound, I, that specific sound. You know what would have been cooler? Where it's like, it kind of sounds like fucking like cosmic shit from the 50s. Like, that yeah, sounds David Lynch. It definitely had that vibe. I feel like I would have, again, that whole thing would have worked better for me. It's like if you'd given us a real good sense of the space and uh-huh. then let us notice with them that things are missing because we now know that there was a window there or there was a door there. Yep. But instead, uh, he had to do that. I agree with you. Instead, because he's like, oh, wait, mm-hmm. I'm not showing anyone anything at all. Ex- mm-hmm. I don't know. Ugh. I agree. No, I agree with you. I agree uh, with you. That sound effect. That sound effect is gay. Um. All right. Let's move on to our gay recommendations. Where we recommend something a little gayer than what we just watched, and there literally is. We. I feel like we say this a lot, where it's like, oh, it can only be one thing, but like there literally is no, only one. Other there's movie already like a letterbox this. list with these two movies on it because they really are <laughs> like brother and sister movies. Like, yeah. And what's so funny to and you know what's so funny to me <laughs> is I am the only person that stands this movie, but everyone likes Skinnerbrink. The th- okay, so David Ehrlich, the editor-in-chief or whatever of IndieWire, put this on his top ten, so he liked it also. Okay, so you're not the well, only I don't really necessarily want to agree with David Ehrlich. You don't want to associate yourself with David Ehrlich? <laughs> Honestly, same. But but I just think it's really interesting because I feel like a lot of – I'm not, like, shading you or anything. I think you were more mid on this movie anyway, but yeah. I have noticed that a lot of people that really disliked this movie we're about to recommend really like Skinnamarink. And they complained about this movie being, like, too slow or opaque and all these other things that, like, I think Skin and Rink is. And I just think it's so fascinating that, like, Skin and Rink works for people, but this didn't. But anyway, whatever. Yeah. And whatever. the movie we're talking about is uh, We're All Going to the World's Fair. Uh, Perfection. And it's a movie that, like, I, I didn't really, like, love watching it. Like, I was, like, I, I, it, I, it took me a long time for the movie to claw into me. But that movie has never left me. Yeah. It, it like, has stayed like a, like a shadow on me. I love We're All Going to the World's Fair. It's my favorite film of the decade so far. Um, Hell yeah. I just think it's really special. And I think it really, in my opinion, it really captures a feeling mm-hmm. that maybe if you're like a depressed teenager, like you were lonely or whatever you want to call it, it captures that feeling really, really well. In my opinion, and the girl, mm-hmm. the girl in it is so good, so good. So I good. think we're all going to the World's Fair, and Skin and Marine both suffer from people not knowing how to talk about the internet. Yes, yeah, I can and see I that. think it's impossible to explain the internet in old media terms. Yeah, because it's it's a different way of kind of. It, of of experiencing the world and it's don't if you talk about it in ways comparing it to like if you say we're all going to the world fair it's a horror movie it's not it but yeah. it's like it's not a drama either like it's 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 a separate genre that we don't have words for yet i agree i think I, the same thing with like skin and marine to a lesser extent because skin and marine feels more horror it, that feels more horror than that but it's still like a movie that like there's still not a classification for it. What's yet. cool about both of these films is that it is taking something that's been gestating on the internet for a long time, a, mm-hmm. uh, YouTube videos and, and creepypasta and all the things that we just talked about. Right. And it's finding a way to like take those elements and make it work into like a feature length form. And, mm-hmm. and as we just said, like, I didn't like skin and Rink. You thought we were all going to the world's fair was okay. Like neither of these movies are like perfect by any means, Mm-hmm. But something that they both have going for them is they feel very new. Yes. And I think it, that more than any other movie I can think of from the last like 10 years, these both feel like the most modern movies I've mm-hmm. ever I've seen. Like they just feel I, fresh. 
I brought them up earlier, but it's like I think it's the same thing with like 100 Gex, where it's like the first time I listened to 100 Gex, I was like, I have never heard music like this before. This feels entire. This feels this is like the first time I like you could hear like grunge or something, where it's like, oh, this is like a new genre that was created, right? And like they kind of did. Um, and it's like, and those are, and the thing with like that I like a, a lot about like Gex and we're all going to the world's fair and skin is that like their influences are very obvious. Right. Like, it's not like they created this like new weird, like language that no one's ever heard before. It's like, you can clearly see where like the seams are, but it's just a new way of presenting them. Totally. I think it's the structure. I, you know, we've been talking, uh, I think I've mentioned this quite a bit on the pod, but I have a, my kind of hot take opinion about media in general is like TV is the ultimate storytelling visual medium, I think. So, mm. For me, when I'm when I when I get into plot and characters and things that are a little bit more traditional storytelling, I think television does it better because it's like mm-hmm. like a great book. It's like you get to spend a lot of time, you get to settle into it, you get to really go on a journey with the characters and their arc. For me, I do think film works better as an experience because when something's mm-hmm. about you know an hour, two hours, even three hours, I feel like you can't cram everything into it, even if you try everything everywhere all at once. But <laughs> it's like you can with a film take one idea and just really fucking like stretch it out. Like just really dig into it. Like get into that idea, which is something Skinner Marink does and something that world's fair mm-hmm. does. And I think that what's cool about these new filmmakers and these films is that I think they're really pushing that idea, that experiential yeah. idea, which is that a film should be an immersive experience. Um, it should be a feeling and it should be a vibe and I do think we're seeing kind of like a renaissance of like avant-garde filmmaking, like that we haven't mm-hmm. really seen since probably like what, like the seventies. Like, I mean, experimental films have been pretty like out of style. I would say for a pretty long time at this point. Yeah. Like I, I yeah, I think we're finally like out of, I, I think we're finally starting to see the beginning of filmmakers who like, and I love Scorsese so much and like Coppola and so that, but that people that aren't, influenced by them yeah exactly yeah exactly and have different influences and not even like i'm not even thinking like filmmakers that are influenced by like soderbergh or something because at the end of the day like they're still like influenced by like fucking other filmmakers like these people that have different influences yeah altogether. you know what it is um th- this this is actually something kyle edward ball said in an interview that i watched yesterday he called Skinnamarink and We're All Going to the World's Fair, and it's kind of ironic because this is on a Story People movies thing, but he, he considers Skinnamarink to be post-queer cinema. I feel that. And he also was like, and I think We're All Going to the World's Fair, is because they talked about, I mean, because like you said, like even they, he knows that these are like sister movies. Um, mm-hmm. They're post-queer films in the sense of that they're influenced by unsung heroes of the past. They're, they're influenced by like Chantal Ackerman and maybe like Gregor Rocky or like, even Todd Haynes as a bigger filmmaker would be a good example. Derek Jarman, low-budget, independent, visionary filmmakers that have not still to this day really gotten any sort of acclaim outside of, like, Tumblr. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. The internet. <laughs> see? The internet. Mm-hmm. And they are like, I'm influenced by that. I'm not influenced by, mm-hmm. like you said, Scorsese, Coppola, <laughs> Tarantino, all that shit. I'm influenced yeah. by, like, these female filmmakers and these queer filmmakers that still, like, haven't gotten a proper Blu-ray release of their movies yet. You know? Yeah. Um... Because the internet, because the internet helped them find that, you know, mm-hmm. I discovered it because of film school, thankfully, but nowadays people can discover the shit at like fucking 15 and those yeah. zoomers exist. I see them all the time on TikTok and I'm like astounded at how well they're immersed in like film of all kinds. And I do think that this is now the result of that. We're now having filmmakers mm-hmm. that are like, I want to make avant-garde films, you know, like that are yeah. inspired or inspired by Filmmakers that people still don't really talk about that much. So I think it's really yeah. exciting. Um, and I really hope that, like, movies like Skin and Marine continue to have, like, theatrical releases and stuff and don't entirely exist on YouTube. Because I think the only way that we're going to change the face of cinema is if we change the, the establishment. Like, right. Because, like, you can make all these, like, really cool things, put on YouTube, put them on Vimeo. But it's, like, it's still not going to change, like, the Academy Awards. Like, it's still not going to change mainstream right. or even, like, sub-mainstream, like, art house stuff. That, that, that still, like, kind of exists in, like, a classical form. Um, like, it's not going to change unless people put their movies out that are inspired by the internet on more, I don't want to say antiquated, but more on more traditional screens. Like, I would love to see, like, if Sony Pictures Classics, like, a focus 
Right. Does shit well, like you know, A twenty four is just gonna snatch him up, just like they snatched up Jane Schumburg. A hundred percent. Yep. I, I think that I agree with you, and um, I think it, yeah, I think it's really exciting. You know what? I, I take back what I said about the seventies. I don't think we've seen, and you know, maybe it's a little too early to tell, but I don't think we've seen a movement like this since new queer cinema in the nineties. You mm-hmm. know, because I just mentioned Gregor Rocky, Todd Haynes, like uh, Derek Jarman, um, you know, Cheryl Dunyer, like so many filmmakers that for a second there, there was an audience for kind of more out there cinema. Mm-hmm. And most of it was queer. Most of it was queer. Mm-hmm. So I think we're starting to see like a new generation of queer people like take where that left off and push further because, yeah, I guess what happened was, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen to them, but. I feel like a lot of the studios like kind of like snatched these filmmakers up like Gregor Rocky and stuff like that. And then they kind of like were set up to fail almost because it's like these films are never mm-hmm. going to be like things that all audiences are going to enjoy. And then now they all work in fucking TV. Yeah. That's what I'm so worried about. Like I, I, I this is the third time I'm bringing them up, but like I'm really worried about the second Gex album. Well, I mean, I heard the EP wasn't very good. I haven't listened to it, but I think the, the EP is good, but it's it's really short, and I think it's fun. I think it's exactly what a six minute EP should be. Uh, but it's like I think that they're gonna get sanded, like just sandpapered down, like all their edges taken away. I from agree. Them. Or they're gonna give get too much money and not know what to do with it, like very much like the It Follows guy making like Under the Silver Lake, which do mm-hmm. you like that movie? Because I didn't I couldn't finish Love it. Love that movie. Oh see I couldn't Love get into movie. it. But it's or like Southland Tales I think is like the primary example yep. of like a failed second film by like an acclaimed filmmaker who made like something a little bit more out there. It's like then you give them a budget and then now you have an avant garde comedy crime film starring The Rock. And it's like Yeah. A cool movie, and I'm glad it exists, but it was never going to be great, you know? Yeah, or like like that Zola Jesus pop album. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah, just people trying to, like, reach beyond their grasp. And like, I kind of hope that Kyle Edward Ball is like, fuck y'all, I made a movie that, like, is made bajillion... I mean, it's only made, like, a million dollars at this point, but, like, it only had a $15,000 budget, so the profit's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's like, I just kind of hope that, like, he's kind of like, no, nah, I'm going to keep doing my thing. Maybe you can give me like thirty thousand dollars, like double it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but like Jane, like I'm concerned about Jane, the filmmaker who made World's Fair, because it's like her next film is going to be like Phoebe Bridgers is in it, and like all this, and it's yeah. like it's fun to read that. Like it's like that sounds fun, but I'm also like, mm. it's like produced by A24. I'm like, mm, yeah, I hope Ugh. this is good. Same. I don't know. I believe it'll be. I ho- hopefully, I'm praying. Jane is very good at Twitter too. If you're not, did you see that she's fighting with Dasha right now? Yeah. Like today, they're fighting. No, I didn't see that today. They're fighting. Oh. They're fighting right now because uh, <laughs> one of like Dasha's little cohorts, Betsy Brown, made some like transphobic avant-garde film called The Actors that's like on the festival circuit right now, and Jane was like calling it like uh, Nazi mumblecore and all this other stuff, and Dasha's like calling her out and like sicking her little followers on her and it's like bad like jane has like deleted a lot of the tweets and shit like that and everyone's like making fun of the way she looks and it's like not it's nasty stuff girl red squirrel girlies shouldn't be like that red if you're on the red squirrel circuit don't do that it's so annoying because i want to love dasha because i think she's such a character it's like i don't necessarily Mm -hmm. agree with all her like politics but i'm like into like the character of it all but like yeah so now she like really sucks pretty bad I the thing is, both the Red Scare girls are very stupid, uh, and just the the Reddit is very good, and that's all I stay on now these days. Yeah, I'm not a Red Scare girl anymore. I kind of fell off of it, but the Reddit, very good. Yeah, maybe that's where I'll start seeing their shit. But I need to probably unfollow Dasha. But it's fun because I follow yeah. both of them, so I'm like, oh no, I'm on like both sides <laughs> of the line here. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Well, anyway, all but right. yeah, everyone check out we'll We're All Going to the World's Fair. Um, if you liked yeah, Skin and Rink, I think. Well, it's so funny because I feel like you know you and Harrison really liked Skin and Rink, and you thought I think you both thought that World's Fair was like more on the okay side of things. So yeah, it's very much uh, Skin and Rink boyfriend. We're all going to the World's Fair girlfriend. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is definitely Skin and Rink is definitely way more experimental than World's Fair. Um, yes, I think World's Fair is like pretty. World's Fair has a plot. World's Fair like, has a plot. Has a it's got like a character arc. It's got like development. Yeah. 
I just think that maybe what threw people off about World's Fair, in my opinion, is that it's kind of similar to Skin and Brink, where it's like long take cinema, but not a long take cinema that you're used to seeing. Like, yeah, it's usually you associate long take cinema with like you know Bellatar and like Edward Yang and things that are very like beautiful to look at. Yeah, very like, poetic, very, very elegiac. Very poetic, exactly poetic, elegiac. This is like lo-fi. This is like like <laughs> hard. Like it's like. Long take cinema, but with like on like a DVR camera, you know, like yeah, it's a cool mix. It's a cool mix. I, I enjoy it. I think it's a cool vibe. It feels yeah. very real of the time we're in now. Yeah, everyone start filming on both... their phones. Be like Sean Baker. <laughs> yes, go go watch Red Rocket. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's wrap this shit up. My name is Dylan Garcia. You can follow me on Twitter at Dylan Garcia, on Instagram at Garcia, and Letterboxd at Garcia. And I'm Kirk Van Sickle, and you can find me on Instagram at Kirk underscore Van Sickle. You can also find me on Letterboxd and Twitter at K-R-K-V-N-S-C-K-L-E. Hell yeah. All right. Let's get this shit done. I don't know, girl. I'm going to go drink and play Mario Kart some more. I'm going to go watch and, a uh, 30s cartoon and let it skip over and over and over again. Ooh, yes. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to The Caretaker... Go listen to The Caretaker. I truly, the only thing I kept thinking during the movie was like, this is like The Caretaker in movie form. It really, really is. It really is. Yeah. Except it's not six hours long. (laughs) Yeah. Thank God. Uh, All right. Well, we love you. Bye. 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 What's your name? Then out came talk. 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 Talk.